0: You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. It was several years ago that I personally found myself at a crossroads in life. I was blessed with a wonderful paying job in the construction business. From a human perspective, I had everything I had ever dreamed of and ever wanted. A nice house, a nice car, refrigerator full of food, everything taken care of, insurance, a great salary package. It was a wonderful life. One day... All that seemed to be shaken up when the Lord had put on my heart a call to ministry. This call of life came with great trials and great levels of new trust that I had never experienced before in my walk as a believer, as a Christian. We'd have been living really a life in which there didn't seem much need to trust in God because all of our needs were being met. And so I didn't really find myself stepping out in faith and learning what it was to take God at His word and really trust in Him personally for my own provision and my family's provision. Yes, He provided faithfully. But there was never really a time in which... I had to really step out in faith because we had everything we needed physically. But this life in which God had called our family to would allow us to grow in measures beyond our understanding that we could have never expected. And while it was challenging, it was also rewarding to see God move in magnificent ways and provide in unique ways only in which God could do in God's timing. And as God provided and and, and 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 did things in our life at the right time for the right need, there was a reality that God became more real to me than ever before. And not only in my life, but also in my children's life. They began to see God provide because we were very open with them about our financial struggles, about God's provision, and how God would provide. And so it was a building block into not only my faith and my wife's faith, but my children's faith because they saw God show up and do things that only God could do. Trusting God was not an easy task. And it still isn't an easy task. It can be confusing. Learning to... Tune your ear to the call of God in your life, the prompting of the Spirit of God who dwells in you. What is it, God, that you want me to do with my life? Where is it, God, that you want me to serve? Who is it that you want me to invest into? These are difficult, confusing times in the life of a believer for which many of us face on a regular basis. Nevertheless, this task can push you to a new level of faith and belief in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because just like He shows up in my life and takes care of my needs and my family's needs, so He shows up in your life and takes care of your needs and shows up in a way that only God can answer your prayers. You see, I don't know what it is you're going through today. I don't know the prayers that you have behind closed doors that no one knows, only you know. I don't know the needs that you have that that cause tension in your life or maybe even fear or doubt. But nevertheless, we worship a God who is in heaven, who knows all and everything about every need we have. And so this... Change of life where we begin trusting and following God freely allows us to see God in a different lens in which He will show Himself to be more real than ever before. You know, sometimes we walk through the difficulties of life, the struggles, the financial tensions and, and those things because God wants to draw our attention to Him. And as long as everything is hunky-dory and everything is in ship shape, place, then many times we don't look to God. And I think that's why Paul said, give me not so much that I forget you, not so little that I must steal, but just enough that I continue to rely on you. So let me ask you today, do you struggle with God's direction in your life today? What it is that God is calling you to do? Listen, the reality is this, my friends. Every single person here present in the overflow on Telegram, on Vimeo, you, you are created in the image of God. You are a God bearer. And God created you and breathed into your life, life with a purpose, with great intention. And many of us walk through life 10, 20, 30, 50, 80 years and never have we ever experienced the reality that I know that I'm accomplishing the very purpose for which my Creator created me for. And until you can know that you are fulfilling your God-given purpose, you will struggle in your walk. You will deal with confusion. You will struggle with following Him freely. Because when you are 100% certain that you are Fulfilling your God-given purpose. Whatever the cost, you will fulfill the call for which God has for your life. And when you, when you answer that call, you will see God how big He really is. You see, this is, was a mature thing for me. It was a growing thing for me. Still is. I'm in the growing process. But for you young kids, listen to me very clearly. Right now, you walk through life. Mom and dad provide for your needs. You don't really sometimes hear the tension and the struggle, the financial needs that that are being met behind the scenes. But one day when you grow up and you're an adult and you have control of your own life and those realities become real, this message may become clear to you. But I'm here to tell you that even you young people need to be thinking about what it is that God is calling you to. I've I've asked my kids from very, very early on, what is it that God wants you to do? I know exactly what my kids at this stage in their life think they're going to do when they become an adult. What is it that God has called you to? And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't know what it is that God is calling me to do, but I know that I need to do something. Do you struggle with God's direction in your life? God's call on your life? Or maybe you haven't even considered... This morning, what it is that God wants for your life. Maybe God wants you young people to grow up and to study the word of God and to be a missionary in a third world country where you can go share the hope of Jesus Christ. Maybe God wants you to be a a doctor, a dentist. Maybe he wants you to be a landscaper. Maybe he wants you to be a mechanic. Or a welder, or a professional golfer, or a football player, or a charter captain, or a farmer, or a lawyer. What is it that God has called for you? You need to be praying about it. Because we need godly people in every one of those arenas. So the question is will you follow him freely? Wherever it is He calls you. For whatever it is He places in front of you to fulfill for His glory. Will you follow Him freely? Where has God called you? What has God called you to act on? Maybe you find yourself fearful in doing what it is that you think God is calling you to do. Which God has led you to. It's very possible that God could call you today. He could call you to do just about anything. Because listen, let me remind you, nothing is impossible with God. What's impossible with man is certainly possible with God. So nothing is out of the reach and the ability of Almighty God who has created you for a ultimately God-sized purpose. Most of you here this morning have already placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. And God may be calling you today to step out in faith and to fulfill something that seems unreal in your life. But let me tell you, when God called us into the ministry, it seemed unreal to me. Seriously, God, me, preacher, come on. That's a laughing stock if you would have known me before. We see people responding to God's call. And many times He takes the, the things that seem to be unreal and those are the persons He uses to accomplish His glory because only God can get glory in that circumstance. Maybe you're worried about the economical and financial struggles That might come with your decision to step out in faith. I mean, I can look at my wife and she can know, she can remember the tension. When I made six digits and I said, honey, we're we're stepping out of that into zero overnight, and we're going to trust God, it'll choke you up. What is it that God's calling you to that seems impossible? And maybe it's the fear of Luke. Don't think that there wasn't a fear. I mean, I had family members telling me I was going to be the guy on the side of the street with a cardboard box holding up a sign. There wasn't much encouragement there. But Nevertheless, God was faithful. What is it that God is calling you to? Sometimes the Lord moves us to something new. The Lord may be using this time, this change to draw us to learn how to trust in Him. We, we sometimes think that, 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 that the big things in life, but sometimes the change is small. God works in the small things as well. The Lord may be using this change to draw us to faith in Him beyond our ability. God has allotted to each, Romans says, a measure of faith. And that measure as you grow in your walk with Christ continually grows and God can begin to put more on you and your faith grows stronger and stronger and stronger until God can call you to do something that seems impossible with man. But in reality, God you know has spoken that to you through His Word and you respond by faith and watch God show up and do what God does. It's a beautiful thing. Maybe this morning you find yourself here and there's a sin in your life that nobody knows about. That that only your Creator can see because you can't hide things from God. You can hide them from your pastor, your mother, your father, your children. But I mean, you can't hide them from God because God sees all. He knows all. He desires to see that transformation, the repentance of that sin, the fixing, the restoration. Some may think you can never get over that addiction that sin in your life or that pride in your life? What is it that seems impossible to you that God may be calling you to do today? Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, but today. I want to encourage you to follow Him freely. Whatever the cost, be obedient to His Word. Today I want to talk ultimately about a being obedient to the call of Christ, being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. I want us to not simply be pretenders of the faith, but rather contenders for the faith. Don't you want to be marked as a man, a woman of God, that was willing to move, to accomplish to fight when and where and how God would call you to do that in your life? Listen, as we open the Word today and begin to look into the breathed out living and active Word of God, I I think these three things will help us as we begin to follow Christ freely. The first thing I want you to see is that we need to simply trust God. Secondly, we need to respond to God. And thirdly, we need to follow God. We can all grow in each one of these areas of life. We can grow in our trust of God. Can't you agree? We can grow in our ability to respond to the call of God in our life. And thirdly, we can grow in the area in which we actually follow Christ. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look specifically at verses 1 starting. Now it's very popular verse in which we're going to begin to look at. Here in Luke chapter 5, we find Christ standing on the lake of Gehenesar. It's a beautiful lake. I've been there, spent 30 days study tour in Israel and I've walked there on the same shoreline, and it brings this passage to life in my mind because I can see it so clearly. The crowds, we are told, are in great number. And they begin to press on and crowd Jesus. And they're wanting to hear from Him, this great Teacher, the Messiah. God in flesh. And the desire to listen To his messages. And as the Lord is standing there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee with this crystal clear water, slightly rocky bank, he looks down the bank and he sees two boats setting off a short ways from the bank. The two boats are empty. The text tells us that the fishermen are now up on shore cleaning their nets. They had been out night, out fishing all night long. And just like any good fisherman, they take care of their equipment. And so when they're done, they, they get their fishing poles and their fishing nets and their boats and they take care of them and clean them so that they'll last a a lot longer than just rather than sitting there and rusting out. But here in the store, they had been fishing all night unsuccessful. They've caught nothing. Let me tell you what, they say a a bad day of fishing beats a good day at work any day of the week. I don't know if that's true in 2021 because everything costs a lot of money. I mean, if you put ethanol-free fuel in your boat, that's $3.59 a gallon. And on average, if you crank up your boat, you might as well figure it's a $100 bill. Not including the cost of a $165 cast net by which you may hook up on the bottom and catch a crab trap and then have to replace that. But nevertheless, these men had been unsuccessful. They're most likely tired because if you've ever been out in the water, Fishing and especially casting a net, which I've spent a lot of time this week, and I wake up and I feel like I'm, I don't know, 80 years old. But they're tired and they have been unsuccessful. They're discouraged. And they're ready to call it a night until day, until the time comes again they can go out and begin to fish. Fishing will certainly drain you. Physically, Jesus is there on the shore and he begins the process of approaching these boats. And the text tells us that he gets into one of the two boats. Imagine this. You've been out fishing or or contextually because they fished at night. Maybe you've been out gigging all night. That's a southern thing. If you don't know what that means, well, they'll have to ask me later. But they've been out all night, they've gotten back, they've cleaned up their boats, and this man gets in the boat. Now imagine you've been fishing all day, you pull up to the dock, <laughs> you've got it tied off, you, you go up to your truck to get the, uh, the trailer to back down to get your boat out, and only to find this man jumps in your boat. You, I believe you would think that this guy was kind of crazy. But what are you doing in my boat, bro? But here, we find he gets into the boat. It's interesting, isn't it? It would be a little strange to watch that unfold. I would be concerned on how many would respond in 2021 to this very same idea. Well, this is where we find ourselves in verse 3. The text tells us that Jesus got into one of the boats and that the boat is the one that belongs to Simon. And Jesus then, speaking to Simon, asked him to put off from the shore a little bit. Now, most of us say, dude, you need to get out of my boat. I'm going home. But here, there's a large crowd of people And maybe he's kind of interested. We're told that Jesus sits down in the boat and begins once he's off to teach from the boat. Why? Well, he's so crowded. There's no room on the shore. And so he gets into the boat and goes off where he's got a little space. If you've never been around somebody famous when they've been surrounded by people, there ain't much moving space, by the way. And so Jesus goes offshore and He begins to teach the people. Now, we're not sure what he has taught within the text of Luke chapter 5, but picking up in verse 4, we read this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let the nets down. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help and they came, filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell At Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had had. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats on shore and left everything and followed Him. The first thing I want us to gather from the text today is the fact that we need to trust in God. We see that Simon is finished fishing for the night. Simon is up on the shore away from the boats. He's cleaning his nets. And the Lord calls him, Simon, come push me off a little bit out into the water. I find it interesting. And I don't know about you at the fact that Simon takes his nets back with him to the boat. Could be because of the value of them. These nets were handmade. They were, they weren't bought from Walmart or the tackle shop. They were very expensive. And it says that Jesus is now teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. At this point, I think Jesus asked Simon to do something he really doesn't want to do. He asked Simon to do something he felt was really a waste of time. Now, we don't see that. The, the, the idea of these nets that were used because what these men and how they fished was at night and they fished in shallow water. These were shallow water nets. And here we find ourselves in number one, the daytime, and Jesus asked him to throw out into the deep water. Who's the professional fisherman here? Simon is. At least that's what they think. So he asked Simon to do something that seems like a waste of time. I don't think that it's not that he didn't want to catch fish. I mean, he had been out all night fishing. Of course he wanted to catch fish. But he had caught nothing. Maybe, just maybe, it was because Simon didn't trust. That Jesus knew what he was talking about. Maybe Simon thought what I just said. I'm the professional and we're not going to catch anything. Why waste my time? I've already cleaned my nets. And now I'm going to get them dirty again. I'm going to have to go back up and go through the same process once again. This is what he does for a living. Let us just be real for a second. Are you this kind of person that trusts in yourself more than you trust in the call of God in your life? Because I don't know about you, but for me, when God called me into ministry, I gave Him the reasons that I could not do it. I gave God the reasons because I knew who I was as if God didn't know who I was or what I had been created for or what He had designed me for and my purpose in life. And so the thing we do when God calls us to do something like He has called Simon here is we look to our own understanding. Buying into the fact that we can figure it all out on our own. Don't tell me what to do. I'm the professional. This is what I do. It's interesting if Simon only knew (laughs) that Jesus was God in flesh. If Simon only knew that in His presence was the Son of God. He would have responded differently. Let me encourage you. That when God calls you to do something. To step out in faith. Shall I remind you. That he is the one who created you. And he knows you better than you know yourself. Because he's God. And you are not. Don't take lightly what it is that God calls you to. We need to trust God for who he is. Maybe you would be wondering, what is it to trust Well, I can tell you this. I don't think the response that Simon gave to Jesus was when he says, Master, we worked hard all night and we caught nothing. I mean, that doesn't, does that look like trust to you? I mean, if he truly understood who Jesus was, yes, sir, he would throw it out. If God told you to do whatever it was he wanted you to do, If you knew it was God, you would do it like that, no problem. But here we see the lack of trust. And I believe that many of us walk and live our lives with a lack of trust because we don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus. We haven't studied our Bible, we haven't been men and women of prayer. Matter of fact, we haven't talked about God since last Sunday when we showed up and sat down to listen to the preacher give a message. We haven't personally dug into the Word of God and therefore we don't have an intimate relationship with God and therefore it's simply easy to lack in trust. Webster says... Trust looks like this. Trust is the assured reliance on the character, ability, and strength, or truth of someone or something. In our case, that trust is on the moral character of God, the ability of God, and the strength of God. I believe you can agree that this wasn't trust on Simon's part, at least not at this point. The assurance of Christ? No, he didn't have that. The reliance of Christ? Mm. The ability of Christ? I mean, if he really wanted to catch fish, Jesus says, fish are right here, you better go fishing there. I mean, i fished tournament trails for years. And when we would go somewhere we'd never been, the first thing we'd do is we'd go ask somebody who knows what they're talking about. And we'd go, where are you catching the fish? Obviously, they wouldn't be the ones fishing the terminal, They wouldn't tell you. But we'd go to the locals and they would say, go out here and go to this point and throw off here and make sure you throw in about 30 foot of water. That's where the fish are. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over there and I'm going to throw right there in that 30 foot of water. I'm not going to go up and throw in 12 foot of water. This week I got a phone call that says the shrimp are at the third dock at 27 foot deep. If you're there an hour before, the shrimp will be there. You know what I did? I drove over to the third dock in the 27 foot and I cast my net and there was nothing there. They had moved. But I went to where the report was that the shrimp were. When Jesus says, cast your net on this side of the boat, if you understand that He knows all things, that He is all powerful, that He is never a liar, you're going to throw your net exactly where He calls you to throw it. But that's not what He does. He doesn't understand the control of Christ. Many times we are in the moment just like Simon. What is it that you are failing to trust in today? I, I wonder how many have failed to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because they think for somehow, some way, they're going to be good enough to get into the kingdom of God. But shall I remind you, That salvation is not by the deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy and His grace through the provision which He has provided through the cross of Jesus Christ, through His death, burial, and resurrection. You're not going to get to heaven by doing good deeds. You're going to get to heaven by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, God's provision for your salvation. Now you can play the game and try a deathbed approach, but you might die today. And I promise you the scripture doesn't give you a second chance. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't play with God. Respond to the grace that He has given to you today. He, you're in listening to my voice. He's given you ears to hear. Now respond to the grace he has given to you because your day will be over at some point. Don't be like Simon, trusting in your own abilities. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 remind us, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. Too many times we trust in our own strength, our own abilities, our own concepts, our own ideas, our own thoughts, and we get all wrapped up in everything else that really doesn't matter, doesn't have an eternal value. Now, I haven't always trusted in God and I don't always trust in God. Sometimes I trust in myself. But it doesn't work out right. I remember years ago when I started the Christian Fishing Association, which was a ministry that we reached out to anglers and their families and we shared the gospel. Uh, All of my mentors and my friends said, you ought to charge for the event. We don't want to charge. We want it to be absolutely free. And so for all those years, we provided free events. We gave $1,000 away. We gave $2,000 in raffles. And at the end of the season, we gave away a free boat. God provided every dime. But it all wasn't always easy to trust. There was always something to back in the back of my mind that said, well, if we just charge, it will be a lot easier to make sure the provisions are there. But no, we trusted God and He provided in magnificent ways. It wasn't always stepping out and it will never always be easy stepping out in faith. It wasn't easy to step out in faith and leave my job to, that paid me great. But God called and I went. It wasn't easy when, uh, to, 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 to answer the call to village missions in which God called us to the mountains of Montana. Dude, I'm from the coast. We went to an Arctic region. We built a a snowman for a contest. We built a sea turtle, by the way. We took the east coast to the west side. It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always easy when God called us back here to take on a church that had failed where the pastor had an affair with the administrative assistant And we went into restoration ministry for a couple of years. It wasn't easy, but God took care of us and God provided in magnificent ways that only God can get the glory for. It wasn't easy when God called us to leave the work that we had been doing to go finish our master's degree at Dallas Theological Seminary, but God provided. He sold our house and we moved. And God provided And it wasn't easy to take the call here to Ridgeville Baptist Church at the time. Because most of you don't know, you look around right now and there's people here. Well, back then there wasn't many people here, was there? You had a faithful few that had historically invested in God's work here in this congregation. But I took the call of God. I went against every mentor I had. Every one of them said, do not take this church. It is a dead end job. But we responded to the call of God. And God in four years has been so faithful. Hasn't always been easy. But God has provided. Many men in Scripture trusted in God when it looked grim, but God came through. He always comes through when it's His plan. Will you trust Him today? Well, we can't just stop right here with trust. That's simply the beginning stages. We have to move to the next stage. We not only need to trust, but we need to respond to God secondly. Because why? Faith without works is Dead. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't do nothing. Faith without works is dead. You show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. It's easy to talk. The talk is another thing to walk the walk. You know, I tell my kids, "He's about like, Dad, you want somebody else?" I'm like, "They ain't nothing but air and opportunity, bubba. You're doing the easy part now. Talk to talk. Come on, let's go." Right? And we wrestle around, and I have to show them who the man is. He's getting big, now i got to be careful. Simon must respond to God. Which Simon does after explaining it's not going to work. (laughs) Verse 4, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, Rabbi, Teacher, we've worked hard all night. And haven't called anything. I noticed that he responds to him after his teaching. So something's happened here, hasn't it? Simon calls him master. I don't know what Jesus taught from the boat, but whatever he taught drew his attention that he was indeed somebody special. So much so that he calls him master. It may have been the loud, large crowds that gathered around him. But he must have done something to shed light to Simon as to who it was that was speaking. He didn't fully know yet, but he knows something special about this man, Jesus. We kind of see this in our day when there's a celebrity around and crowds start gathering and next thing you know, there's all these people around and everybody's interested. Who is that? Who is this? Who is that? And then next thing you know, this was that. We see it going down the road when there's an accident. It's like, dude, that's on the other side of the road. Just keep driving. But nevertheless, something had triggered Simon. Master. Notice what Simon says next. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. I wonder how many of us, if we responded this way, When God calls us to do something. God, because you said so. I will do it. Simon, though he may have had a bit of disbelief, nevertheless, his obedience overrides his unbelief, which is a bit of example of what faith is. Faith is not that which you can see, but that we call to walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't make sense to Simon to throw out in the deep water with a shallow water net in the daytime for the officials to simply run off. But because you say so, I will let down my nets Here today, when God calls us, no matter the task, we must obligate ourselves to respond by faith. By obedience to what He has called us to. You see, we can't receive the blessings of the Lord that He wants for our lives if we fail to respond to His calling. That's the physical and the spiritual. Listen, if you don't respond to the gospel, the call of God on your life, you will enter eternity separated from God in a place called hell. That is not what God intends. He wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Listen, it is not your tradition, it is not your works that will grant you access into the presence of God. It is by faith and responding to what God has called. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We must respond and obligate ourselves. We look at other passages in the Bible that God called people to respond and they did it. As we look at the Exodus, God had instructed Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And God tells Moses to tell Pharaoh to what? Let my people go. Moses and Aaron approach Pharaoh. They deliver the message which God has given them to deliver. They are being obedient. Pharaoh is not. And He calls them, Demand that the Israelite slaves be allowed to leave Egypt so that they could worship God freely. Exodus 5, 1-3. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron came to the Pharaoh and they said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I shall obey His voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and besides, I will not... Let Israel go. Listen, let me just warn you right now. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, as we discussed last week, you are a slave to Christ. He is indeed your master. He is indeed your Lord, your King. And you might think for a second that you ain't going to do something, (laughs) but God is sovereign. And He will orchestrate things to accomplish what he wants in your life. So the old saying is we can do this the easy way or we can do the hard way. You will bow the knee to Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. You can do it on this side or you can do it on that side. You're going to bow. The question is where will you live for eternity? With God in heaven or in hell with Satan? You will bow. He is king. He is Lord. And here, Pharaoh, he's a little cocky, arrogant, prideful. I will not let Israel go. They said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord, or He may strike us with plagues or with sword. Whatever it takes, God's going to accomplish His purpose. Pharaoh fails, though. He doesn't respond to God. Many plagues come upon the people because why? Pharaoh failed to obey and respond to God's instruction. Beginning the curses, we find the blood, the frogs, the lice, the flies, the livestock death, the boils, the hail, the locusts, the darkness, and the firstborn's death. With the Passover, protecting those covered in the blood of the Lamb. If they failed to obey, it wouldn't have been good for them either. But whoever's doorpost had the blood of the lamb covered in it, the death angel passed over. Let me warn you. Let me encourage you because I understand that salvation, nothing I can say to you will save you. There's nothing I can do within my own spirit to convince you that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's God's job. But let me warn you, if you fail, Thessalonians reminds us that one day God will pour out His retribution on those who do not obey God or know God or obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will pay the penalty of eternal separation from God in a real literal hell. Is it okay not to respond to God? Of course not. I don't think so. We must respond to God even when we don't understand. Now I know for those that have never put their faith in Christ, just like, man, that's a hard message, preacher. You just kind of stuck it in my face. Well, if your house is on fire, what I say, oh, you know, uh, your house is on fire. Come on out. Hey, come here, buddy. No, I'm going to scream, get out! Your house is on fire. It's the same thing. This is eternity we're talking about. This is forever. Not our short little 30, 50, 80, 100 years, 107 of your good... 100 years is nothing in light of eternity. It's like one speck on eternity all the way around this room. One, you, you just dot as small as you can get. That's your life in light of eternity. You're gonna. Sacrifice all of that with God, the Creator, who you cannot deny because Romans tells us the heavens declare the glory of God and that you and I, everybody is without excuse since the creation of the world is invisible attributes and His divine power has clearly been seen and you're going to negate that for this 30, 50, 100 years? Of course, I'm going to be passionate. Because I believe the message is true. And I, you will, you might go to hell, but you won't go without you dragging me there with you. Well, I ain't going with you, but you won't drag me, and I'm gonna drop you off at the door. So listen to me. The plea is to respond to the message of the gospel. This is real for whoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, will be saved. We must respond to God even when we don't understand what He's doing. He says here, he continues in verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come help. And they came and filled the boat so full they began to sink. Let me tell you what, that's a lot of fish. Jesus tells Simon to fish. Simon kind of smarts off. Well, he knows Jesus is somebody special and he responds. Jesus blesses him, fills his boat with fish, but not only his boat, but his partner's boats as well. Simon has now seen the results of responding to the instructions of Jesus Christ. My son asked me the other day, Dad, what's the harder work? Someone who thinks they're saved, yet doesn't understand the gospel, to see them come to Christ, or the one who knows they're lost and come to Christ? And I say, son, both are impossible with man. It is a work of God. But I can tell you this. If we will be faithful in doing what God has called us to do as Christians, and that is to share the gospel, God will save people. And He will save them when it's their time. It is a work of God. This was impossible. Throw on the right side, nets are so full, boats started to sink. That is a miracle, by the way. But now they see the results of responding to the instructions of Jesus. If we're going to see legitimate change in the church and in the hearts of people. We must start responding to the instructions of the gospel. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he could he, there's only one thing he could do <laughs> was fall at the feet of Jesus, the knees of Jesus and say, "Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Why? Because what I had heard now my eyes have seen, God in flesh controls the fish of the sea. He controls the wind of the waves. He controls the dead to life. Why? Because Jesus is God in flesh. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Revelation 1.8 was the alpha and the omega, the beginning of the end. I was dead. Verse 15 or 12. But now I'm alive forevermore. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. He is a living God in flesh. And He responds like every single one of us should respond as we submit to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Fall on our knees and call. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no one who seeks after God. It's not that you love God, but that God loved you and sent His Son into the world that you might have life. Now you lack one thing. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm sure, I'm certain that even in the midst of the blessing, there was still hard work getting those fish to the bank, cleaning all those fish, you see, I went shrimping yesterday afternoon and I cast my net and my son cast his net and we, and we pulled and we pulled and we pulled and we filled up a cooler. But that was just the fun part. When we got home and I had to go out there by myself one finger at a time, pluck, 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 pluck. Huh, huh. Two hours later, pluck, 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 pluck. pluck. So when somebody says, I want some shrimp, oh, you can get some shrimp. They're going to have heads on I'm going to give you a whole cooler with heads on. You will not never want another shrimp in your life. You'll be going right up to the supermarket. <laughs> right? So I can't punish my kids for my addiction of loving shrimping. But nevertheless, there was lots of work still to do. Cleaning them and doing all that comes with that work after being up all night. It probably was very wearing. But let's be honest, following Jesus is never easy. But the outcome of the hard work is a blessing. The blessing of knowing you have brought glory to God. And you have allowed Him to shine. He's going to shine regardless, isn't He? Listen, doing things God's way always works. And I love what he says here in verse 9, For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James, John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Listen, their obedience, Simon's obedience to Christ impacted those around him. Listen, this is a message to you who've put your faith in Jesus already. How you respond to the call of God will affect those around you. Especially your children. You want your children to grow up and to be godly influences in the world? Then you better be being godly influences to the world. Because they can only see what they see in you and in those around them. The way we respond to God's call impacts every single person around us because they see the glory of God through your response. Christ reveals himself. And when Jesus does, they all become astonished. Listen, how many of you have heard the call of Jesus in your life? the call of change, the call of repentance, the call to maybe respond to the gospel, the death, the burial, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When God calls, listen, we must trust. In Acts chapter 26, he does this very same thing. God calls Paul and he responds. God saves him. Jesus calls Simon and Simon responded and Jesus provided and all the people around him were blessed. Jesus called Lazarus, Lazarus from the grave, wake up, and he's up and he's alive. And Jesus is glorified. Jesus called Levi the tax collector, and Levi responded, and God used him. Listen, when you respond, it affects other people. Pharaoh failed. How will you do today? God is calling you to trust Him. God is calling you to respond to Him. But lastly, we need to understand we need to follow Him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means surrender. Here in Jesus, we see in Luke 5, in the final verses, Simon doesn't fully trust, but he responds. And Jesus reveals Himself to Simon. And Jesus provides for Simon. And then He trusts Him. Jesus says to him, do not be afraid. No, Simon... Don't have fear of Jesus. For he did not know that he was facing God. But God accepted him the way he was. But he didn't leave him that way. He made him new. Will you allow Jesus to make you new today? Will you respond? Follow the call of God in your life? Verse 10, then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. They had a different purpose. Their purpose was now to be fishers of men. They left everything, they left their livelihood, even as fishing nets. Simon knew that it was all worthless after knowing Jesus. And it was worth giving it all up to follow him. Can I ask you a question? What have you given up to follow Jesus? And would it be worth it to give it all up to follow him? Would you follow him freely? Verse 11 concludes, so they pulled the boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. The very fact that Simon was obedient to Christ. The Lord uses him to show others who he is. And the text says they also followed. I pray every one of you here today that God would open your ears and your eyes to the gospel. And that you would respond by faith to the call of God. That you will trust that you will respond and that you will follow when and where ever God leads you and however He desires to do that in your life so that you will be a great example for others and that you will be the one who grants glory to God. I want to leave you with a few thoughts. Jesus doesn't care how messed up you were even how much stuff you are. He can save you and He can call you. Maybe you're here today and the pride of life keeps you from responding to the gospel message, to the call of God in your life. You can't outsmart God. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. I think it's Proverbs fourteen twelve, Verse Proverbs 6, 8 says, Pride goes before destruction and the haughty, a spirit before the fall. Listen, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. The reality is this, and I'm going to bring this plane in for landing. There's none righteous, no, not one. Your greatest deeds are filthy wrecks. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Galatians 2.21 says, If your salvation could come from work of the law, then Christ died needlessly. Jesus provided your way unto salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross at Calvary. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He will change your life. And when He changes your life and gives you a new heart and new desires, listen, the call will be for you from this day forward for the rest of your life, to follow Him freely for the glory of God. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appropriate time. Believe the gospel and be saved. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.